couple of weeks ago, we had the Mayor of Bristol, Marvin Rees, on the show, and it only seemed fair that we invite to the word the Green Party candidate for the 2020 mayoral elections. It is none other than Sandy Hall. Ruthven. He is the CEO of the Creative Youth Network, the largest charity working with young people in the Southwest. They support 9,000 vulnerable young people each year to achieve their potential. And CYN started out as a really small organisation based in East Bristol that supported about 20 young people a year. They've transformed it into this amazing charity that employs over 200 staff and support 9,000 young people annually. And they manage an annual budget of over 5 million and have raised about over 20 Five million in total. Sandy, welcome to the show. Hello, how are you? Yeah, good, good. Thank you. Good. I'm overwhelmed by the response we've had from listeners that you're coming on the show. Good. Well, that's good to know. I think people are interested in what the future of the city will be and they're interested in the election coming up and what the different candidates have to offer. They really are, yeah. which is fascinating. You know, good and bad, good, bad and ugly have all come out in all shapes yeah. and forms. So you're very brave braver man than I would ever be. I know in the past when we've had people in your position come on, we've asked listeners to post questions and at some point we'll try and get to that as well if yeah, you're course, if you're absolutely. up for that. Yeah, that yeah. that you know you again you're braver than I am. So we will at some point have some questions from listeners. The one main question I would like to kick off with is what in your opinion is the single most important issue in Bristol? So there's there's obviously a whole load of issues, um, but the, the single thing, and I've, I've spent a lot of time over the last year as a candidate travelling across the city from knitting groups in Hartcliffe to elders groups in St Paul's, Lawrence Weston, Clifton, Hillfields, young people, old people, to really try and get a sort of flavour of, of what the issues are and what binds us and what divides us um, and the, the single thing that everybody mentions is traffic and transport and it's really interesting because it comes up in lots of different ways sometimes businesses will say you know they they struggle to run their business properly because they're having to spend hours stuck in traffic or they can't get in and around the city properly for others um, in some of the more outlying communities and the poorer communities like Hartcliffe it means that they actually can't access the jobs that that uh, are available, say, in the city centre or up in the, the north of Bristol. So, um, And, of course, there's the environmental aspect to it in that we have some of the dirtiest air um, in the country and that's something we need to resolve. And then even at a global level, um, it, we, it, it contributes to climate change. So it, it's the single thing that sort of... It, that everybody feels that that isn't working in Bristol and is also, I think, the thing that will unlock some of our potential as a city in lots of different ways, business, equality um, and the environment in, in a way that actually... Uh, no other single issue will. Now, that doesn't mean we've not got problems around housing. I hear from everybody, really everybody. I was initially surprised to hear you say that traffic would, you, you'd say that as the single most important issue. But when you look at how it encompasses all the other issues that you raise there, there may be a little bit more understanding. Um, some people might have said housing is the most important issue. Why do you think traffic kind of comes first so, so uh, you asked me to pick one so I'm sort of that that's the one I've picked but um, housing of course is a really important issue we know we there are more people on the, the housing waiting list about 12,000 people uh, we know anybody who walks through the city centre particularly will know and see that the number of street homeless uh, people has increased over the, the last year so it is a really really important issue but I, I do come back to transport because it is the thing that 
that potentially will unlock lots of other things. Everybody has to move around, whether you're taking your kids to school, you're seeing your gran in hospital, you're running a business, you're going to see friends or going out for the night. It's the, it's the thing that, that is stuck and, and that we need to, to push forward and also the thing that has the biggest um, impact on our environment too. So what are your plans to do about traffic? So we will release some more detailed um, pledges and, and our manifesto in the, in, the, in the coming weeks. But ultimately, we have only a certain amount of road space in the city. We're building 2,000 new homes in the city each year. We're, uh, the, our surrounding areas and, and neighbouring counties are building 10,000 new homes every, every year. So we have to rebalance um, the, the way we use our road space. So we will be, uh, one of the things that we have already said is that we will introduce a congestion charge in the city centre. Now that will only be for people who come from outside of the city. The idea being that if uh, you or I live in the city, uh, we are paying our council tax and we're paying towards um, our transport system, but those who might come from Yate or Bath or Western Supermare um, are still enjoying the city but not contributing financially to it. So we are asking them uh, to pay and that will allow us to raise the money to invest in new bus lanes, dedicated cycle lanes, walking routes and really um, give people the alternative that they, that they crave and that they say they want. Everybody I speak to says, yes, we'll take the bus if it was, uh, if it was a bit cheaper, if it was a bit quicker we'd like to cycle if it's um, uh, if it was safer you know and we would walk if the walking route was more pleasant so these are the things that we will invest in that will unlock and uh, the traffic problem and chaos that we have and really get Bristol moving I'll say the same thing I said to Marvin can we see in reality in the future uh, a car free city centre I, I think we probably can, um, and we're working on that. I'd, I'd like to, uh, we're not going to announce anything um, just yet around that. But yes, I think we can, and, and there are cities um, around the world who have started to do that. Paris is starting to do it, Madrid is starting to do it. And the interesting thing is that actually they become much more vibrant places. Businesses report a 10 or 15% increase in, in income and sales. Um, if our neighbourhoods are more car free, actually people feel safer letting their kids out to play. They get to know their neighbours better. Um, they're healthier because they're walking and cycling more. So there's, there's actually a real future to look forward to if we take this challenge and really tackle the transport problems that we have. Um, it will be a change. It will be um, a, a challenge to begin with. But actually, if we get through that, we can see some of the really forward-looking cities like Amsterdam and Copenhagen that are such lovely places to, to be. And mm. I think that's something we can look forward to and not be frightened of. When you look at the carbon emissions that Paris saved just by having coffee Sundays, mm. it's definitely something I'd like to see being yeah. planned for. The Clean Air Bill, do you think this is a good plan? Well, so uh, to explain to your listeners, we, we have to have it. So yeah. this is government legislation. Yeah. We are clearly, as the Green Party, very supportive of it. And the reason we're supportive of it is because uh, we know that 300 people die prematurely every year because of our dirty air. And, that, and that's just the sort of headline underneath that. There are a whole load of people with asthma or breathing problems who will suffer. You know, I, I was um, cycling into work the other day and I had to do a double take. There was a mother with a, a child on the, on the back of her bike and the child had a gas mask on. Now, that, e even if there's a medical reason for it, you don't want your 
our children and our um, and people who live in the city to feel they have to wear a, a gas mask, you know, one over their nose and mouth, um, to 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 just move through the city. It was quite a kind of disturbing um, uh, uh, view. So I, I think it's it, that's why we're supportive of, of the clean air zone. I think I'm afraid to say that the mayor has got in a bit of a muddle over it. I think there is a very clear answer to how we. Uh, uh, to how we implement it, which is called the Clean, clean Air Zone uh, D, which is a sort of ring around uh, the city centre, and anybody who drives a car that is not um, uh, 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 not clean, so it has a certain sort of standard of engine, will have to pay uh, to come through uh, the city centre. That will encourage people to change their cars. It also gives us an income that we can use to improve our bus services. And this well. is it, isn't it? You know, at the end of the day, if our park and rides or our transport is up, up to par, then we don't need to be driving into the city. Yeah, so that's the plan. I think that's something everybody would like to see. Um, let's just move on slightly just to cover a little mm, bit of housing. Yeah. Um, Western Harbour, Cumberland basin yeah. highly emotive subject for people obviously we need, need more houses yeah. why not western harbour uh, so i'm i'm supportive of putting some housing in the western harbour i i have i have no problem with that if you for those who know the site there are some derelict spaces which are unused and 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 we should absolutely uh, put some housing there just to be clear for me the the green area that looks out across the suspension bridge should stay as a green area it's something it's a space that is enjoyed by local people and is also of course one of the best views in in the city where do you mean exactly um, so, so so if you um, if you know the the flyover yeah. underneath the flyover there is a green space that goes on on the opposite side to the portway that then goes uh, along to um, to Lee Woods so there's a green on space the on okay. the opposite side there's okay. a there's a small um, BMX track there but otherwise it's a green space um, and it has got this sort of iconic view of the city with the suspension bridge and and the Avon Gorge so I would I would keep that but other spaces I think absolutely should be used as housing. And, and this is where I, I, I have a, um, a problem with how um, the mayor has, has approached this. He's gone into a sort of back room, worked with some consultants to come up with a number of effectively traffic flow options. So we could move the traffic in this way or that way, but it's, it's all about getting as many cars through that space as, as possible. Rather than starting with the community, how do we create... Um, uh, some housing in a community that doesn't require uh, a, a huge road going through the middle of it. Then how do you put public transport, cycling and walking in? And finally, um, how do we get cars through that space? To me, he's tipped it on, on the head and uh, on its head and said, right, cars first and then we'll put the housing and the community around it which for me is the the wrong approach to a new development like that what's really difficult for me is obviously i don't know the answer mm. and when you sort of mention marvin's name i feel almost like he should be here to be of able course, to answer it yeah. so maybe at some point we could do that i would absolutely love to sit with marvin well i would and have too. a debate about this I've, yeah. I've met you both and i can see that you both want the best for the city course, do you know what i mean yeah. and what is is horrible is the sort of like well sandy says this and marvin says that and i said do you know what I mean? we just want to hear what's best for the city, city. and so can, I, can i just say I mean, yeah. you know to be fair actually different people the reason we have different 
politicians is become we, we come with different values and different approaches and different experience to um, to to the city and the reason we ask people to vote for us or somebody else is, is simply because um, people might agree with us or not agree with us and and th that's how politics works so I think disagreeing with with Marvin is not a bad thing um, he will disagree with me on a number of things and I think for me that's that's fine as long as we're sticking to the to the the detail and the and, and it's the not getting personal yeah, I, I couldn't agree more i yeah. couldn't agree more but you know as as a general public you know what we hate is the 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 bickering that or you know the, the the finger yeah. pointing that can go on between politicians we need to take a bit of a break you know what i haven't thought about and i quite like to maybe come back and just ask a little bit about you of i don't course. know much about you personally yeah. and also what i really the big question is can we trust you to handle the city's money oh the money yes it's the big Let's bucks that. that it takes you know i can't even imagine what it'd be like to oversee a budget of that size so thank you sandy for joining us you all right to stick around absolutely of course brilliant we are speaking to sandy who is of course the green party candidate for the mayor elections 2020 and you're listening to the word here on ajuma radio don't go away we'll be back shortly welcome back to sandy the green party candidate for the mayor elections 2020 Hello. hi thank you welcome back okay just before the break we mentioned why not just get to know a little bit about you you're not actually originally from bristol no i moved here in uh, 1995 i think okay so quite a yeah. good a couple of decades and yeah. more 95 i'm trying to think how many years is that 25 years yeah 25 years yeah. 25 yeah. years um where were you from uh, so i grew up in the middle of london uh, in pimlico okay. and um yeah went to school there and uh, but decided i didn't want to live in the big smoke and people had told me that bristol was a nice place and i had a sort of friend of a friend who lived here and i um, decided to move here and, and arrived with my bicycle, my record collection uh, and a bag of clothes and uh, moved in uh, just down the road in St Paul's for six months and then started to make a life here. I know you have quite a privileged background. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what? how do you feel that you can relate to people that perhaps don't? So uh, that's a good question. I mean, I, I'm not a believer that just because you come from a particular background, you can't uh, spread yourself beyond that and, and understand other people. I th in fact, I think that's one of the things that's a real issue in politics today, uh, identity politics. If I'm like you, I'm the only person who can understand you. I've, um, I've spent all of my working life working with young people uh, in and around Bristol and um, spent a lot of time in all sorts of different communities um, and getting to understand how their lives are what the barriers are they face what the issues are you know and, and at, at times i've sort of had to learn about uh you know how uh, grinding poverty can really sap not just your uh, your opportunities but also the confidence that you that you have um i'm i've learned uh you know from a, a number of black colleagues and friends about how issues of racism can affect you and how different cultures can feel excluded so i don't pretend to to feel it in my heart but I really listen and 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 try to understand and, and do the best I can and that's why I've dedicated my working life to uh, particularly to young people I have a passion for the uh, for the the energy they have and the um, and the potential they have so I, I really enjoyed working with young people from all sorts of different communities and feel like I've become a, a broader and deeper person as a result of what they've taught me. Uh, you mentioned equality, and we'll get onto that in in a second. Mm. But before the break, I did mention that we were going to ask you about 
the budget. I know that it's a huge responsibility to take on running a city. You know, on one hand, Marvin's been doing it for four years. He's got his yeah. feet under the table. He knows what he's doing. Why should we trust the newbie yeah. to come in with the, and handle what would be, I can't even imagine what size the budget was. Well, I think the, was, the overall budget is about a billion pounds yeah. a year. Okay. Um, the sort of what you'd call the, the, the budget that you can actually use. A lot of that is sort of benefits that flow through the, 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 the council uh, and out to people. There's a sort of budget of about 350 odd million that, that you can actually choose what to do with so it's a really reasonable sum of money um and I, but I, I suppose what i can say is i took over the creative youth network which is the charity that that i run um when it was a very small charity we um uh, have a building we had about four staff and and um uh, did a, a little bit of work with young people i've grown the organization uh, i've raised a lot of money we turn over about five million pounds every year um but also we we own a load of buildings one of the which uh, one of which we're sitting in now um called the station which is the youth hub uh, in the city to point out you are our landlord we are your yes, landlord yeah and we're very landlord. pleased to to have you here and have had you here for the last i think four years or five years now yeah that's right than yeah, that. yeah. Um, and uh, so I, I've been able to look after the money, raise the money, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, and sometimes, as most charities go through difficult financial times, having to cut back when you run out of funding for a particular project, and, and sometimes you have to make those difficult choices where you choose which project is going to go forward, what you have to stop, and you know that there's a real impact on individual lives because um, you can't take a, a project forward. So um, I feel. I have a, a, a good grasp of how to, to manage the money and, and I think the second thing is uh, is to know um, uh, when you've got a really good team around you and I know in the council there's a good team of people who look after the money I rely on my finance team here at Creative Youth Network um, and I know there's a good finance team in the, um, in the council too so you don't have to have the eye on every detail but you have to, what you have to have is a good team behind you that can support you and, and give you recommendations So just to clarify if you were voted in there'd be an existing finance team that yeah. was already in place Yeah absolutely okay. and, th and there's a whole load of, of budgets which are you know have to be spent adult social care and transport and those kinds of things so um, yeah there, there's a great finance team there um, you have to, to, to take their advice I, I, again I've got a great finance team here at Creative Youth Network I take their advice you listen to them and then yeah. then you can make the decisions about where the money should should go based on your values and your your priorities can I ask you about, you know, what you think about Ujima and, and its place in the sort of landscape of Bristol? You know, I mean, as a voluntary organisation, we have, well, we actually have 120 volunteers. Well, that's producers and presenters that come through the door yeah, a week. Yeah. But we are constantly striving for funding. You know, yeah. our equipment's falling apart. And it's just it would just nice to know what you think of Ujima and its importance and its yeah, place yeah. in Bristol. Yeah, so I've, I've obviously had uh, contact with Ujima from, from the very start. I've known Roger, who been run it for, for a long long time um, and I feel you are a really important part of the, the city you communicate uh, issues and voices and stories that don't get heard on the mainstream uh, media uh, from uh, from communities that don't often get their voices heard and that that's why uh, we were really keen to work with you when you were looking for a new um, home um, and uh, uh, we, we were yeah pleased to, to have you here and I hope we've been supportive during that 
um, during the last five years is you've uh, gone through ups and downs and, and we've, but we've been able to work with you to, to find solutions and you're still here and still doing the great work getting those voices out there. Okay, I was well, something that's close to my heart, yeah. if that's okay. I'd yeah. like to just talk about the arena because the plans are moving forward, although I don't think planning permission has gone ahead yet yeah. for the Bristol Arena, the YTL Arena out in North Bristol in Filton, yeah. in Filton where are we at at the moment are you aware uh, planning permission yeah, so has not been given yet or? no so so my understanding uh, is that the arena in Filton they've applied for planning for permission and it will be heard towards the end of March by the council's planning committee committee sorry um, and they will give it the, the go ahead or what, uh, realistically what's more likely to happen is they'll go back and say we've got more questions can you tell us more about transport and that kind of thing I, I think the I've looked through all of the papers for it um it, it's a very impressive uh, space but I, th- I my my fear about the arena in filton is that it will be a bit like cribs causeway it's not really a bristol arena i know it is in bristol but yeah. in the same way that people will drive to cribs causeway i think they will drive to the filton arena they will have their mcdonald's there they'll drink in a weatherspoons pub they will go to their gig and then they will drive home again and they won't experience Bristol and what a great city it is and the city centre and the harbour side and all the great bars and restaurants and clubs and and hotels that we that we have to offer that why that's why I'm a, a fan still of, of putting the arena in the city centre because I think it adds so much value you know what we want is for people to to go to the gig that they want to go to and then come back to their home and go wow isn't Bristol a great place it's you know vibrant and creative and and that's how you build a reputation and I, my fear is that the arena in Filton is just a bit like Cribs Causeway it will you'll go to your gig but you won't really experience what Bristol has to offer I've been lucky enough to be invited out there and have a tour and I was told they're committed to building a a train station at the venue which would be quite exciting also the arena in Temple Meads was going to be a corporate arena just like one of the other many ones where I think they kind of want you to eat drink and and move there I just think for me I didn't really care where the arena was going to be as long as we got one Uh, and I I think it's going to be an amazing um, opportunity and venue but they also committed to to make sure they also support Bristol Talent. Every big stadium event will have a local band plus yeah. a local stage that will have weekly or nightly events as well. Yeah. So if they can get the transport and the train station, yeah. that could make a difference. Yeah, so absolutely. I'm always supportive of public transport, of course. However, that train station will be paid for by you and I, the, the taxpayer. Won't YTL um, have to pay for it if it's on there? No. So so part of the deal was that, that um, uh, the West of England... Uh, uh, combined authority will pay for that so that the money that was going to go to the arena in uh, Temple Island is now going towards building the train station and the metro bus station so that's that's how that uh, w- will work um, like you I, I you know I'm, I'm I've been up there I've had a look around and and the pictures are impressive I, I guess my experience of, of developing property and working alongside business is that the business is a really key part of the city for employment and wealth creation and uh, but also sometimes they will sell you an idea and I'm always I always come into those conversations just a little bit suspicious of of the sort of environmental credentials or the community credentials that that they claim to have yeah. you know we, we just need to look at housing and the number of 
developers who come in and say, yes, we will build 40% of the houses will be affordable, for example, and actually by the end, by the time the buildings get built, the homes get built, you're down to sort of 15 or 20%. Because they are committing to build schools and X amount of houses, and it's not just the arena. It'll be interesting to see how that develops. I don't see why we can't have both, but there we go. I appreciate your opinions on that. So if you were to be successful in Mm -hmm. May, would you go out of your way to stop the plans for North Bristol Arena? Well, we'd we'd need to see where we are. I'm I'm not somebody who's just going to dismantle the legacy of my predecessor. I'd like you, I'd rather Bristol had an arena. um, And if that's going to be in Filton, for me, that's second best, but it's better than no arena. And actually, what's really important is that we get things moving. And I think, um, you know, people are frustrated on the doorstep. I do hear quite often that, uh, we, we, if we'd built the arena on Temple Island, it would be open now. It was a two-year build, and actually we, all of us as gig-goers and, and uh, people who enjoy entertainment, would be enjoying it. We would be bringing people and businesses into the... Uh, visitors and businesses into the city. Um, as it is, it is still a derelict bit of land. And, and I know, having developed large buildings like again the one that we're in we're developing new buildings across the way as well all for the benefit of young people that sometimes you actually have to just sign off on something to get it moving you can try to get the perfect outcome but actually often what that means is nothing happens at all and I'm afraid that is where we are four years later we were promised an arena and now we don't have an arena and uh, so I, I think that's a shame and a lot of people on the doorstep tell me that they really wanted the arena and, and that they're angry that, that there isn't one. OK, interesting, interesting. Lots to think about there. Mm. And I think what we'll do is we'll take a break for the news. Of course. It's time to go so quick, yeah. Sandy. Thank you. Stick around. Thank you. That's of course. all right. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. We're going to go over to the BBC. We're going to catch up on the latest headline news and then we'll come back and we'll keep the conversation flowing with Sandy and we're going to hit him with our questions from you, the listeners that have been sent in. You're listening to The Word here on Ajima Radio 98 FM. You're listening to The Word here on Ajima Radio 98 FM. My name's Miranda, here through till six o'clock. And joining me on The Word today, it is none other than Sandy Horufin, who is the Green Party candidate for the 2020 mayoral elections. Welcome back, Sandy. Hello. Thank you for joining us today and sticking around. We've thrown lots of questions at you, but now it's time for our listeners to pose their questions to you. Are you ready for this? I am ready. Okay, okay. He's been warming up, waiting for this. So we're not asked all of them because we were literally overwhelmed with questions. So I must just say thank you to everybody who took time to text WhatsApp and post on social media the questions for Sandy because it's nice to know that so many people of you, you know, are really interested in to hear his opinions. Okay, first question, Sandy. Basically, do you support the One City plan? Uh, yes, I, I think it's been a. I, I've been a, 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 a attended a number of the One City. Um, events. I think it's always good to get people together um, and and join up people from the universities, from communities, from business and and that kind of thing. So I think that's a really good thing. I do like the idea of of having a kind of a a shared vision for the city that that everybody can buy into. I think that's really good. There's a few things I'd change. I think at the moment there's something like 546 uh, individual targets over the next sort of 25 years or so. Um, I'm not sure how useful that is, um, but very much 
it's bringing people together and having a shared vision for the city is a, is a good thing. Which is something we were actually just talking about, you know, is it, is it sometimes frustrating, isn't it, that we have to see our politicians at loggerheads and what, how amazing it could work sometimes if perhaps you and Marvin or could work together. Yeah, yeah. Do you see what I mean? So, so well, I t- skill I sets. You, yeah, so I, I tell you what we've, we've promised as the Green Party is if, if I win... Uh, we would have what's called a rainbow cabinet. So that would be um, uh, so the, the, the people, who, the individual councillors who are dealing with, say, adult social care or the environment or young people. We would have um, politicians from all parties. We would have every party represented simply because I think everybody's got something to offer. No one party has a monopoly on good ideas. Uh, and actually, I would rather work together. So that's something I've committed to, that if, uh, if I do win, I would have uh, members of my cabinet from all parties for the entire four years of the... All um, parties? From all parties, yeah. Well, we've said every party with more than three councillors, so um, that's that's how it would, would work. OK, but, good. Um, good, just yeah, checking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> OK, all right. OK, question numero uh, two. OK, what support do you give local youth providers? So I... I uh, um, Obviously, this is something we're very close to my heart. Um, as uh, as we've run Creative Youth Network, we um, we have a philosophy very much that we want to work with a whole range of other uh, youth providers in the city. This is not about Creative Youth Network taking over. And in fact, of our annual budget, a third of, of the income that we get flows out to other community organisations. So through subcontracts, through grants, through um, support, that kind of thing. So there are a number of organisations across the city like Youth Moves in South Bristol, Full Circle in St Paul's, uh, Oasis up in uh, Lawrence Western. Uh, we work there's we, we work with lots and lots of partners um, because we know that different organisations have reaches into different communities that we don't have and I would much rather work with them. So we've spent a lot of time um, supporting them. One of the, my favourites is Horn Youth Concern uh, who do um, a great deal of work particularly with young uh, men in the Somali community they're getting now literally sort of uh, 70 80 90 even 100 young people on a friday evening coming to the st paul's um uh, leisure center playing basketball uh, helping them to support build their confidence and and stay away from knife crime and drugs and and that kind of thing so we're we that's really how i operate i know that we don't have a monopoly on good ideas we want to work with as many people as we can and we put our money where our mouth is the actual original question and i was almost you know do i ask it it was to ask about cyn shafting neighborhood youth providers what would you say to that kind of terminology it's difficult to know where that's come from i think we do the opposite actually and i think there are a number of organizations in this city that are thriving as a result of our partnership with them and i'm really proud of that um uh, I, yeah, so I, I would like to know if, if a particular organisation has felt shafted and, and if they do, I'd more than have a conversation with them. Good to know. OK, next question. Is it not a conflict of interest and auspicious that your standing looks like you are trying to ensure Bristol City Council continues funding his organisation? OK, so we, we do have the contract to run the youth service in, in the city and that's where, again, as, as I was saying before, we have a, um, uh, those partnerships with the community uh, organisations. I think in some ways the opposite is true. You know, we... Um, uh, I, 
we're, we're, I'm going to go up a, against Marvin or we're going to debate issues. And, and whilst I'm, I'm going to aim to stay absolutely positive, we are going to disagree on some of the issues in, in the city. Um, I think what's really important that people should know is that any contracts that are given by the city council are done through a, a completely transparent process. Uh, we bid for uh, the youth work contract. It stays out of the politicians' hands. It's done entirely by officers who agree which is the best um, organisation to, to run a particular project or service. Um, and that, uh, that organisation or that company gets the contract. So um, I, I don't believe that's the case. If anything, it's actually a risk for Creative Youth Network, me standing, um, because it, it puts my head above the parapet and, and um, some people might have an opinion about me and therefore the organisation which might put us at risk, actually. And what would happen if you were elected mayor? How would that affect your position as chair of CYN? As, uh, well, as chief executive, um, I would immediately resign and become the full-time mayor. Um, right. And so uh, just to explain what I'm doing, I'm uh, finishing work here in about three weeks' time at Creative Youth Network. Um, I'm taking two months off to, to campaign. And then if I win, I become mayor. If I lose, then um, I go back to being chief executive of Creative Youth Network, okay. which is a job that I love. Yeah. Okay. Win-win for some. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Okay. Next question. I know this is close to your heart as well. How does he intend to address Bristol's chronic racial inequality? Gosh, so this is a really tricky one and, mm. and nobody's cracked it. And I, I have to say, one of the things that, that will be at the heart of our, or is at the heart of our manifesto and my what the values I bring is that I want Bristol to be a fair city and a fairer city. And I know there are huge inequalities and, and racism is one of those. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I have the answer to, to racial inequality in the city. It's something that I've spent a lot of time on, both within Creative Youth Network and out in the community too. And I've spent a lot of my time trying to understand what the what the issues are. Um, that's part of the reason why we're working uh, in partnership with a number of other uh, BAME um, youth providers. Um, uh, that's part of how we're, we're responding to, to um, racial inequality in the city. What I think is really important is that we make sure um, that any policies we have are open um, and, and equal. And, and I come back to the conversation we had at the beginning, uh, which, for example, transport, and I'll give you an example of a... Of a um, a young person um, I've been working with from the BAME community lives in the south of the city um, and is uh, struggling to get a job um, not very uh, doesn't have qualifications from school um, and we started to look at the jobs in the city centre that he might get or, or maybe up in sort of Avonmouth kind of warehouse work that kind of thing but because of the transport issues and the and the poor bus service he actually those jobs are closed off to him because he can't get there for a 6am shift start so for me there are some very practical things like sorting out Bristol's transport and improving our bus service that will actually improve equality generally not just racial equality I think it's also important I've learned this that that um uh Individuals from different communities are seen um, and uh, are part of the, the power structures in the city, running businesses and, and supported to, to, uh, to be the best they can um, and, and play their part in the, the leadership of the city. And that's something I very much support and would, would aim to continue. There is a question that, again, I wasn't too sure whether to ask, but somebody has sort of implied that you are now having more photographs taken with more black people. How do you feel about somebody saying something like that? 
again, I would like to sort of ask them what what the you know what, what they're basing that on. Um, I, I've understood for a long, long time that there's racial inequality in the in the city, and I've uh, done my best. I'm well aware of the the privilege that I have as a as a uh, middle aged, middle class white male, um, and I've uh, aimed to spend my time reaching out to those communities, understand them. Um, I'm actually not meeting and greeting any more or less. BAME people um, in the city than I have done for the last uh, 14 years since I've been uh, running the Creative Youth Network. You know, I am, of course, trying to raise my profile. So I'm out and about on Twitter more. And, uh, you know, uh, rather than just having a meeting with a community, I'm photographing a meeting with every community and not, not just BAME. So people will see more of me. And I'm in some ways, I'm glad that people are seeing more of me. But I, uh, in no way am I suddenly meeting with more BAME people than... I was in the past. On that note, another question from a listener. The Greens are not known for their inclusivity. Mm. What do you plan to do considering climate change affects Global South, i.e. black communities, the most? Yeah, so I, I would agree. I think there is a perception that the Green Party is is uh, sort of white middle class. and I, I, A lot I of environmental groups are, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but again, I, I come down to um, actually... The, the global south are those who will suffer most from climate change, okay. from sea level rise. Yeah, you know, we yeah. see it already in the in the sub-Saharan Africa as the deserts Absolutely are spreading. Awful, yeah. In the Pacific, where ocean and sea level ri- is rising, and people yeah. are being made um, stateless because of the because of climate change. So, I, I think there is a passion for all people um, in in the environmental movement. I think the, the I think it is a fair criticism that the environmental movement is should reach out more into diverse communities within Bristol and within the UK and that's something that I've been trying to do. Fantastic. So the last question from our listener is how has Sandy's manifesto been informed by the community? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good question. I, I'm uh, and I, I launched my campaign a long, long time ago. It was over well over a year ago, uh, before Christmas in 2018. And the reason I wanted to to um, start so early is because you know we're heading into the white heat of the campaign now. But I wanted to spend the time outside of that, being able to listen to communities across the city. And all you need to do is look at my website and Twitter feed to see that I have been reaching out to as many different communities as I possibly can and asking that question you know what are the issues that you're facing and it's I've come across everything from uh, rats in in Lawrence Hill to community energy in in Lawrence Weston to bus services in Hillfields to uh, you know youth centres in in Hartcliffe and and people have have uh, you know told me what their issues are and that's why I can say with confidence when you asked me at the beginning of the interview you know what is the single thing that you would do the reason I can say so Sorting out our travel and transport chaos is because every community I've been to, every person I've spoken to has said that. And I can say that with confidence. And also I understand how uh, we can affect people's lives in a really positive way um, and improve our environment by um, by tackling our, our travel and congestion and pollution issues. Brilliant. Thank you. You've answered some of the questions we've been sent by listeners. We're running out of time. We've got to take a bit of a break and then we're literally going to have a few minutes left. Are you all right to stick I'm around to the end around. of the show? That's fine. Fantastic. We are speaking to Sandy, who is the Green Party candidate for the mayor election 2020. And I'm Miranda and this is The Word and you're listening to Ajima Radio. Don't go away. Later.
You're listening to The Word here on Ojima Radio 98FM. We're also on DAB, the tuning app, and online, www.ujimaradio.com. And don't forget, as soon as the show comes on for air, you can catch the podcast uh, on our Listen Again service. So check it out. That was, of course, Roy Ayers and Africa Centre of the World. Welcome back to Sandy. Uh, he is the Green Party candidate for the mayor election 2020. Welcome back, Sandy. Good evening again. Thank you so much for joining us this hour. One thing, we've literally got a few minutes left. You are... Green Party, after all, it would make sense that we wrap up the interview thinking, you know, and talking about what is so important in climate change at the moment. What do you think is the most important thing that we need to get our heads around at the moment in climate change? So climate change is is the biggest threat that humanity has ever faced, right? So this is something, and, and, you know, getting your head around that as a a concept is a really difficult um, thing to do. And of course, it, you know, doesn't necessarily affect us on a day-to-day basis, but we are seeing the climate change. We're seeing the the chocolate path falling into the river. We're seeing, you know, we're we're worried about Western Harbour and whether it would flood because we are seeing sea level rise so this yeah. stuff is going to affect us traffic on a day-to-day basis yeah absolutely. absolutely and, and yeah. you know the other thing we're going to see too is as as um uh, as climate change affects that global south we're potentially going to see more refugees and asylum seekers um coming to the uk too um so but but the interesting thing is for me um i want bristol to be a fairer city and a greener city and in fact the solutions to climate change are things like public transport cycling and walking uh heating or insulating our homes um, which makes it cheaper for people if we cycle we are healthier Um, if we uh, uh, as I explained before if we're catching buses um, and using public transport more actually our city becomes a fairer and more equal place so actually the things we need to do to tackle climate change are good for our city and for our people and for our health and for our communities anyway and I think it's really important that we um, that we understand that. So uh, and so, uh, but, but what's really important for me is that we take action and not words. And I'm concerned that over the last four years we've had a, a conversation about climate change, a conversation about equality, and those sorts of things. But actually, not very much has happened. And that is what I'm hearing on the doorstep. People are frustrated that they want to see action, they want to see a positive vision for the future, which I think is what we give. And most importantly, they want to see us doing things. Um, you know making those changes improving public transport improving our communities and that's really what i'm committed to do um, is to take those bold decisions that we will need to take like the congestion charge for those uh, coming from outside of the city uh, like the clean air zone uh, like investing in in cycle lanes and and buses which hasn't happened over the last four years Okay, so so that's interesting because to, just today in the centre of Bristol we had a demonstration about the expansion of the airport. Um, we had the summer uprising by Extinction Rebellion in the summer. You know, there's and before all of this, a lot of people really didn't take climate change very seriously. Mm. You know, and I, I think that is finally starting to sink into people yes. that it, it that it is it is it is for real. Um, just quick one to end. How how do you think we can really make a difference on an individual? and a a bigger level you know to really climate change is something that my kids are having nightmares about 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And kids and, are now. They're excited. They're panic attacking. And they're like, well, what's the point? We're all going to be dead soon. And, and the, you know? Yeah. And and the, and the, the cure for that, that anxiety about the future is actually to, to take action. And whether it's uh, simple things like making a choice to, to cycle to work um, once a week or to, to recycle your waste, to not use plastic, um, to, uh, yeah, th- there's a whole load of actions that, that you and I, that, that are actually quite simple, that you can switch to a green tariff, for example, for your electricity. You can change your bank to a bank like Triodos or uh, the co-op who are investing only um, ethically. So there's all sorts of things that you can uh, that you can do to make a difference. However, one thing that people do say is they they will do that. All of us recycle. All of us, you know, try our, our best. But actually, we do need to see a, a proper system change. So people say to me they want to catch a bus, but it's too expensive and unreliable. And that's what the council and government need to do to give people a real choice and so of course i would end by saying what can you do you can vote green in the mayoral election in on may the 7th um and that way we will we can have the first green mayor and the first green council um uh, in the country and uh that way we could bristol could really be leading the way in tackling climate change and making our city a fairer and greener place Sandy, thank you so much for your time and thank you for taking on our listeners' questions. Good luck in the mayoral elections. I do hope we can get you and Marvin in the studio at the same time. I think that would be wonderful. But best of luck. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. That was, of course, Sandy, the Green Party candidate for the mayoral elections. We'll let you decide. You you can still hear Marvin's interview on The the Word. It was going back a couple of weeks ago. You can find it on Listen Again and, yeah, make up your mind yourself. You can also catch his interviews, all the interviews, on my iTunes podcast series which is called Miranda Ray R-A-E podcast series and Sandy's will be up there soon as well so this has been The Word my name's Miranda you're listening to Ujima Radio don't forget you've got DJ Fagan from 8 to 10 and DJ Scale from 10 to midnight so I'm out of here see ya <laughs>